1: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void
0: or prohibited by law. 18-plus. Terms and conditions supply. It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it! They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards! Mason too much deflected!
3: And a touchdown. Fell into the middle of
0: that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams
3: who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when yes. he really got the handoff. You know
4: that's the <laughs> q Oh my gosh. Listen,
5: thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it's time for the weekend mailbags. So, for that, I've got two special guests. One of them is on with me on the mailbags usually. He's, of course, the owner, of the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal. Mr. Chris Nimbly, and we've got Clayton Smarslock in here to talk a little bit of draft and answer some questions for the mailbag as well. So let's start with you, Chris. What's going on, buddy?
3: Uh, quarantining, you know, trying to <laughs> figure out ways to keep myself busy. Uh, I'm doing a full spring cleaning in my house, rearranging and reorganizing, but I have to pace myself so I can make this stretch out over a couple of weeks trying uh, trying try to get into some video game season, full seasons and stuff well, I'm I'm finding ways
4: to keep myself entertained
5: Hashtag #quarantine life Clayton what's going on man
4: <laughs> pretty much the same thing I'm uh quarantining got work uh playing video games watching some tape watching some Netflix it could be better with this quarantine but uh I'll take for what it is
5: We'll have to talk about the shows and movies that we're binge watching later on. But first, before we get into the mailbag, let's talk a little bit about this Jadavian Clowney buzz. So John Clayton coming out, and I know what everybody's going to say. It's John Clayton. I don't think he has any sources anymore. Let's just, for the sake of argument, say that this report is true. He said that the Seahawks are still in the mix, the Titans are in the mix, and that the Jets were one of the teams in the mix for Jadavian Clowney. Clowney apparently has lowered his demands. I love that word from 20 million a year to 17 million a year. I've said this many times, and I still don't understand why people don't get this. But Jadavian Clowney is not the player that so many people make him out to be. And I think Brett Coleman. Had the best line about Jadavian Clowney. Now Brett Coleman A knows his football and B is a diehard Texans fan. So if anybody would know, it's him. He said Jadavian Clowney is a run defender, is Batman. As a pass rusher, he's Robin, and in coverage, he's Alfred. Which I think is a hundred percent accurate. When it comes to Jadavian Clowney, he's very much an average-ish pass rusher. Michael Nania had the statistics on it, but needless to say, he's right around the middle of the pack in pass rush efficiency over the last five years. He's had some big moments. We know he dominated that game against the 49ers on national television, and so I think a lot of people see stuff like that. Everybody remembers that big hit against Michigan, and that's what they think of with Jadavian Clowney. But when you're talking about consistency – He just is not a consistently above-average pass rusher. And to me, that's not a guy you're paying $17 million a year. Elite run defender all the way, great athlete, but you'd be paying a guy for what you're still hoping he becomes five years into his career. And that to me wouldn't make any sense. And if he's going to sign a one-year deal, from my vantage point, if I'm clowny, it would make way more sense to me to sign with the Seahawks, stay there, or to go to the Titans, two teams that are much more ready to win than the Jets. What do you think, Chris?
3: Well, I'll start with the last part about the clowny part, because I, I kind of disagree with you there. Not... Not saying that the Jets would be some perfect ideal uh, destination for him, but with the uh, rest of the defensive line that they have in place with Greg Williams, maybe that could uh, he could really show out in a one-year deal. Of course, a big part of that is how healthy is he going to be able to to be and remain. And I agree with everything else you said about him as as a player. He is an absolutely excellent uh, run blocker he has moments where he looks like he, he might be the best uh, pass rusher, defensive lineman we've ever seen. He, he, he can have these moments, but they're too far a few and in between. Uh, he's just not consistent. And some of that might be because of injuries at times. And But these are injuries have plagued him his whole career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he plays through them a lot. But he, that's still – so I don't know how much of it is. Uh, injuries and how much is just his Normal level of play But those injuries keep popping up So it doesn't really matter at this point um, I also Just don't, I, I can't imagine That the Jets are going to be the ones Winning the bid on him uh, they're, they're very clearly not trying to spend A lot of money, if they do it One year deal, alright But they're not a Jadavian Clowney away from uh, you know making A Super Bowl run here, so I just don't Really see the point And everything that they're doing, everything that Joe Douglas has done, and uh, how they're limiting their spending, it just doesn't seem to make sense on either side right now.
5: Everybody's talked about the Greg Williams angle, and I get that Greg Williams is a creative defensive mind, but we are talking about a guy who was next to J.J. Watt for three full seasons because Watt was injured for part of it, but three of the seasons that Clowney was in Houston – Watt was healthy for 16 games and was commanding double and triple teams, and we still didn't see Jadavian Clowney really shine as a pass rusher. So as much as I respect Greg Williams, I don't think that Greg Williams is enough to do that for Jadavian Clowney. And Clayton, I'm curious if you agree with me. I know you're a Florida fan, so you might. But for me, if you're going to pay a pass rusher in this market, it would have been Dante Fowler who actually was really, really good last year as opposed to Clowney, who we know can stop the run. But guys like that, the Jets have plenty of already. They need a real stud pass rusher, and I just can't fathom paying $17 million for somebody like Clowney.
4: No, you're right. I mean, he's not, he's not what we thought he was going to be coming out of the 2014 draft. Uh, thats He's been kind of... Not to say he's a bad player, but he's, he's been a bust in terms of being that first overall pick. And if you're doing like a three, four-year deal, no. I'm not paying 17 $18, 20000000 million for a and Clowney. But if it's for one year, <clears throat> for the Jets, considering you're a franchise that's that hasn't had that edge presence since John Abraham, which is almost 15 years ago. Like, we, we have to think about that. It's almost 15 years since we've had a, a legit edge rusher. And not to say that is on Abraham's level. But he was—he'd still be the best one since John Abraham, so I would give him that one-year deal because they do have the second-most cash to spend in this free agency. Um, but if you're comparing Fowler and Clowney, I would probably prefer Fowler just because he was cheaper. He's coming off a really good year. He's been obviously early on. He had a—he uh, had some injuries, but he's been relatively healthy these past couple years and. I mean, like you said, I'm a Florida fan. <laughs> I loved him out of the 2015 draft. I wanted him to fall to six so badly, and uh, unfortunately, that never happened. But I would, I, I would pay for one year. But if it's if he's asking for anything more than 17, and for anything more than one year, uh, I'm out.
5: Clayton, how dare you disrespect edge rush god Brian Thomas? By saying that Clowney would be the best edge rusher that the Jets have had (laughs) since John Abraham. Just kidding. Dude like (laughs) Brian Thomas, though. He turned out to be a pretty solid player. Not quite what they were thinking they were getting at number 22 overall, but still a solid player. So with that, let's jump into the mailbag. First question comes in from Joe Horning. He says... With the number of holes this team has and the thought of preparing for a big 2021, I feel like they should trade back and get as many picks as possible. Am I crazy for thinking this? I don't think it's crazy. I also think that you've got to figure out what the board looks like and then from there make the decision. Because if there's a tackle, for instance, that you really like – And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but crazier things have happened. Let's say you really like Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills or Becton or Andrew Thomas, one of those four, you really like them, and they slide to 11. Do you really want to pass on a guy like that that you think could probably be the blindside protector for Sam Darnold for a decade and trade down, accumulate extra picks, and now all of a sudden you've got more dart throws, but the certainty... Of getting a top notch impact player at that position that's of desperate need goes down quite a bit So I think you have to weigh those two things if those four guys are off the board then I think it becomes an easier situation and obviously if somebody offers you some sort of crazy haul then you can definitely trade down because as good as an offensive tackle is going to be if somebody's willing to throw a quarterback haul at you you can go ahead and move out of the spot I don't anticipate that happening so I would say you're not crazy but if I really liked one of those four tackles and the guy I liked is on the board, I'm pulling the trigger and I'm probably not trading down. What do you think, Chris?
3: Yeah, I'm going to start. You're never crazy for considering trading back unless you're talking about, uh, you know, passing on a, somebody you believe will be your franchise quarterback for years and years and years. You're never crazy for considering trading back. Now, at this point, it like you said, it all depends on how the board falls, how Douglas has these guys ranked. As we've talked about a lot in the past, you know, maybe he likes Josh Jones more than than everybody thinks, and he thinks that he he can trade back to you know middle of the teens and, and still get him. And if he has Jones as his second or third guy, then sure, go for it. If, uh, if there's only one, if at 11 comes and there's only one of those top offensive linemen that he really likes, then at, based on the current uh, structure of the Jets roster and how badly they need offensive line help, it, it would have to be a huge deal for me to think about that. So you're never crazy for considering it, though, like I said, unless you're passing up uh, somebody you truly believe will be a franchise quarterback for a decade or plus.
5: And that leads into a question that my friend Chris Walker asked, and I want to go to you on this, Clayton. It's sort of a continuation of what we're talking about. He said that he thinks that Josh Jones would be a perfect fit for what Adam Gase likes to do. As we know, Josh Jones is actually a really, really good pass blocker. He rated number one PFF-wise when it comes to the draft prospects. Now, take that with a grain of salt, as we always say, but I do think that PFFs Offensive line numbers are usually at least okay Now, the question becomes Number one, would you accept a trade down to say 15 with the Broncos Which is what Manish was saying could happen in his mock draft That we discussed on the show earlier this week And number two, let's say those four tackles are off the board And you're sitting at 11 Would you be nervous about trading down Because Jones could theoretically go number 14 to the Tampa Bay Bucks, who we know need some offensive line help to surround Tom Brady with protection. So, Clayton, let's go through all of this and you can answer it. The question about trading down, whether or not you think that it would be a good idea to accumulate a whole bunch of picks, whether or not you'd be comfortable trading from 11 to 15 to get Josh Jones, and if you think he's a good fit. And if the Jets would be crazy to stay at eleven and pick Jones, if they were afraid of losing him to say Tampa at number fourteen,
4: uh, that's a lot to unpack there. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, Chris nailed it on the head in terms of you're like you're never crazy for thinking about trading back, especially with a team that has as many holes as the Jets. Like you, you want to try to accumulate as many picks as possible and fill your roster through the draft, especially someone like Joe Douglas who wants to build through the draft. I personally. Don't think you'd be smart if one of those tackles are on the board. I'd value them all pretty highly, and I would take them at 11 without any consideration. Um, And then if you want to go to trading back to 15, okay. I'm only trading back if those guys are off the board. If those guys are off the board, I'm more than okay with it because, one, if Josh Jones does go at 14 and he's not available at 15, okay, you most likely, even though we're not going to, or most likely not going to see it with CD lamb, Jared Judy and Henry Ruggs. They, one of them could still be available. And while I don't think Joe Douglas would take one, I would still be more than okay with taking one of them. Um, so I, I won't, I wouldn't rule out a trade back if the uh, four tackles are off the board. I just don't know if I, I, I don't know if that's the best thing to do because you, you just want to, you, you want to make sure you get like as much, you want to get as much value for your pick as possible. And, what are you tra- what, like? What are they trading up for? Like, if, if the Broncos trade up to eleven, like, what are you going to get for that? A, a fourth round pick, sure that, that can help, but like, I don't know. I that for me personally, like, I, I can't speak for Joe Douglas, but for me personally, I'd rather just sit sit there and take C. D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, but I I don't I know that won't happen though because Douglas won't take all, won't take a receiver that high.
5: Let's move on to another question involving the offensive line. And it's not a mailbag question per se, but it's something that I posted on Twitter that got a lot of response, so I figured we could talk about it. I had mentioned the idea of grabbing Andrew Thomas at number 11 if he's on the board. Now, obviously, this depends on how the board breaks because who knows, there could even be more than one tackle and then maybe it wouldn't be Thomas and you would go with the other tackle. But let's just assume Thomas is on the board at 11, you pick him there, and then in the third round, if he's available, maybe with the Giants pick, you come back, grab Isaiah Wilson, who was the other tackle at the University of Georgia, and you pair the two of them now. Wilson maybe doesn't play right away. Maybe he works his way into the lineup, competes for a spot. Maybe he even kicks inside to guard. Some people have suggested that. But either way, the Jets need young offensive line talent, whether it's guard or tackle. And Chris, you and I have talked about this a lot. Chemistry matters a ton when it comes to the offensive line. And one thing that really would appeal to me about having these two on the line together is that they know how to play together. They did a great job together at the University of Georgia. So when it comes to the two of them playing together, there's really not a learning curve. And I think when you're looking at Plugging two guys into the line, especially when you're hoping to have them start for multiple years at a time together, that means a lot. I also think Isaiah Wilson's story is pretty funny because he's somebody that grew up in New York and has a SpongeBob SquarePants backpack. So to have a guy like that here in New York would be tremendous. So I like the idea, if they could pull it off, of getting those two guys on the offensive line to be part of that next wave of protectors for Sam Darnold. What do you think, Chris?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I understand your thought process there. I how much I agree with it, I can't really say cuz I haven't I haven't gotten deep enough into my uh, draft scouting uh, this year. This has thrown me all off. I'm having a hard time focusing on some a lot of this draft prep right now with everything going on. So I haven't gotten that deep to to where I have any type of feel for how Wilson is as as a player, and that's gonna dictate it. Like that's one of those things. That's a nice bonus. Uh, You know, maybe if there's a tiebreaker to me between him and one other person player, and I'm like, ah, which one? Maybe that would be the tiebreaker. but I'm clearly not going to base my decision off of that alone. So I'd I'd have to have more of a cover level of how I feel as him separately as a player before I could really answer that. But I like I said I'd I'd use that as maybe a tiebreaker. But that's probably <clears> the <throat> most I do.
5: I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm saying that's part of the reason it's an attractive option. I like Isaiah Wilson a lot. Clayton, you've done a ton of work on these prospects, so that's why I love talking to you about this stuff. What would you think of the idea of grabbing Andrew Thomas at 11 and then, if he's available in the third round for you, teaming him with Isaiah Wilson?
4: Yeah, I mean, I already said I would take any of the four linemen at, uh, at 11, so if they got Andrew Thomas, okay, I'm fine with it. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, actually, I value him as an early third-round pick. So I think the value would be tremendous. I just don't think they'll do it because I, I know they like Chuma Adoga. Um, I don't know if they, see, if they see Wilson as a guard. I, I, I see him as a right tackle. Um, so I don't know if they would go that route because of how they feel about Adoga. But I'm not going to rule it out because you, you really can't rule anything out in the draft. And I think they, maybe they do feel like, all right, he's the top, we'll say the top, one of the top three guys on our board, and he does have that chemistry with Andrew Thomas. Maybe that does push him over the top. And like, you know what? We still need offensive line. We want to build through the trenches. Let's just get this guy, and then we'll figure it out from there. Which is never, you can never have too many offensive linemen. We saw last year how many combinations did the Jets have? 16 games? I think it was 11, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, nine maybe. I wouldn't be against it. I just don't, I don't think they would go that route.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting No purchase necessary. VGW group. void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions
0: apply. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
5: Next question comes in from Jets, Joe73. He says, What are your thoughts on Van Jefferson? And do you think he would be a target for the Jets in the third round? I like Van Jefferson a lot. You just gotta understand what he is. He's not a guy that's gonna kill you with speed. He's a really good possession receiver. The interesting part of this is we all know that his father is the wide receiver coach. So the question becomes would that make the Jets more likely or less likely to draft him? Because maybe Sean Jefferson doesn't want his son playing for him. Maybe Van Jefferson doesn't want to play for his dad. I have no way of really knowing the answer to that. But in terms of him as a player, I absolutely think that he would be a really strong option for the Jets. I'm going to go to Clayton on this one first because Clayton is a Florida fan and he loves Van Jefferson and he's somebody that he's been talking about for a while. So, Clayton, I'm pretty sure nobody would need to twist your arm about Van Jefferson going to the Jets <laughs> in the third round, right?
4: No, not at all. I have him as a third-round prospect and I I know some Jet fans might not like it just because of his age. He'll be 24 this summer, which obviously we've had some... Uh, we've had some bad luck with older receivers, <clears throat> our Derek <Gary> Stewart, and <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if all the fans are going to jump on board. But Dan Jefferson's a, <clears throat> excuse me, Dan Jefferson's a good player. He's uh, one of the better route runners in the draft class. No, he's not going to kill you with speed, but he could he could still take the top off the defense every now and again. It's not whether he's going to be asked to. will he'll, he'll probably be <clears throat> more productive in the short and intermediate game. But he gets open with. With his release, great route running. He has his IQ of the position is obviously there from being the son of a former NFL receiver and now a coach. You, you could see it on the field. I would love him at the, uh, with the Giants pick in the third round. And who, who knows, he might even fall later than that because he had, uh, I believe, he had surgery right after the combine.
5: Chris, what do you think? It's an intriguing possibility having somebody like Van Jefferson play for his father, but I'm not sure if that would make it more or less likely to happen.
3: Yeah, I'm not really sure how that affects it, uh, if it would make it more or less likely. Part of me wants to say more, but then, uh, you know, uh, maybe Joe Douglas doesn't want to invite that dynamic. Maybe Adam Gase doesn't want, who knows? But. Um, my normal qualifier when talking about wide receivers in the draft and especially this year with such a deep uh, group is it's r- impossible to try to gauge or uh, predict who's going to go where so where you're going to get him but he's absolutely worth a third round pick in my opinion and uh, watching him his feet and his route running I mean I threw on tape of him and started watching and I was just I, I was mesmerized watching his feet He's so smooth in his routes. Uh, like I, I don't care about the speed and things like that. When I'm when I see his footwork, when I see how smooth he is, it's um, it's it, it's really just mesmerizing watching it. So I would be all for that. I think that's a good fit in Adam Gase's. He'd be a good fit in Adam Gase's offense, and I would trust him to get open and Darnold to be able to get him the ball. So. Um, I would absolutely do that now. Uh, as Clayton said, the injury he, he had uh, missed the combine, he had that. So that's one of those things where okay, now he might fall uh, a little bit above or uh, below other people who might not, uh, you know, be as high grades, but they don't have the injury concerns. Especially now because they can't. Uh, teams have a harder time tracking these injury concerns. So maybe he balls a little bit more, but I would be perfectly good with them taking him with one of those third round picks because he is absolutely deserving of it. In my opinion.
5: Next question comes in from Mike John. He says, looking back in hindsight was Quinn Williams a mistake last year at number three with the emergence of Foley Fadakasi and Nathan Shepard and finding Kyle Phillips as an undrafted free agent was Quinn Williams basically a luxury pick at a non-premium position. He's a good player, But with the holes they have, wish they would have taken Buffalo's trade down offer. If they took an edge like Brian Burns at number nine, and then were able to address offensive line and receiver in the middle rounds, I feel like that would be a better use of their assets. So let's go through this bit by bit. First of all, no, I don't think that taking Quentin Williams was a mistake because I still think he's going to be a dominant player. You're doing this for the long haul. You can't base it just based on what happened year one. And we've gone over why, I think. Quinn and Williams didn't put up the splashy numbers and the splashy plays that we were hoping for year one. A lot of it had to do with what Greg Williams required of him. But as far as the rest of these guys, listen, Kyle Phillips and Foley Fadikasi played really well, but they're just run stuffers. And this is where the whole premium position, non-premium position thing comes into play. I think people kind of misread this. Premium is pass rusher It doesn't necessarily have to be an edge It has to be somebody that can consistently get to the quarterback If you believe that Coynan Williams is a guy that can do that And I do based on what we saw at Alabama And based on what we saw when he was actually allowed to try to do that Under Greg Williams at times I think he can still absolutely be that guy You talk about somebody like Chris Jones Fletcher Cox Gerald McCoy when he was younger Aaron Donald DeForest Buckner Players like that are worth their weight in gold If you believe that Quentin Williams can be somebody like that Then he absolutely was the right pick at number three overall I like Brian Burns, but Brian Burns started off really hot And then kind of tailed off the second half of the season Not saying he won't be a good player, I think he will But I'm not so sure how dominant he's going to be And also, from what I understand, the offer was only like a second round pick To move all the way down to where Buffalo was And at that point, I guess if you get Burns, then you have another second-round pick. Who are you using it on? The reports were that they liked either Byron Murphy or Mecole Hardman. Mecole Hardman's a really awesome player, but I don't know what he would have done in the Jets system. In the Chiefs system with Patrick Mahomes and the other guys surrounding him, it makes it a lot easier for him to make plays. If you get a guy like Burns, who I'm not so sure is going to be a dominant player and you put Miko Hardman out there, and I'm not so sure that he's going to be as good with the Jets as he's been with Kansas City, do you get the same value that you think you're getting on paper from those guys? I don't know. I think that if you would have gotten those two, it would have been okay. But to me, in the long run, if Quentin Williams is the player that you think he is, which is that dominant inside pass rusher, then he's much more valuable than the trade back. Clayton, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I mean- as me and you both know, we were both very high on uh, Quentin Williams. And the fact that people are already giving up on him, not, not even now, they were giving up on him on week four, is just unbelievable. And it's just typical Jet fans, honestly. But I mean, I, you brought up an interesting name, Chris Jones. And I, I had a feeling he didn't start off extremely hot. So I went back and just looked at his stats. And if you want to go based off stats, which a lot of people like to do, he only had two sacks this rookie two sacks and then he went from two to six and a half and then from six and a half to 15 and a half. not going to say Quentin Williams gets 15 and a half sacks. A hell, he might not even get 10 sacks a year, but he's not going to get one and a half or whatever it was every single year. He's going to be a better player. That's just, that's just how it works. Like he's a talented, he's a very talented player and he's just going to get more pieces around him and he's going he's to develop. So no, I don't think it was a mistake to take him. I, I think he'll be just fine. Um, and that's coming from a guy who loved Brian Burns. Like I, I would love Brian Burns on this team and say they did take Nicole Hardman, or maybe they changed their mind and take Terry McLaurin, my guy from last year, but Quinn Williams, you, you can't really be upset with him. And, and it's just like offensive line. You can never have too many guys on, on the uh, defensive line. So you can rotate Quinn in. you can rotate Shepard, Foley, McClendon, Phillips, like all these guys, Henry Anderson, like, we saw not like I'm not gonna compare them to the caliber like talent wise, but the Eagles a few years ago, like they got to the Super Bowl because their defensive line was so deep. They were able to rotate, keep guys fresh, and that's what the Jets want to do. That's what that's what Douglas wants to do as well. So I'm still happy with the Quinn Williams uh, pick, and until he proves me otherwise, I'm gonna stick with it.
5: And Chris, as we've talked about many times, Clayton said that he may or may not get 10, 12 sacks, whatever. But the fact is, there's a lot more to pass rushing and to getting to the quarterback than just sacks. So I think you have to look much deeper than that. You look at somebody like Calais Campbell, who we've talked about a bunch of times, and there's another example of an interior pass rusher who really just causes major havoc and big problems for the opposing offense every single game, game in, game out. So I think that... If Quinn and Williams can become a player of that caliber, which Clayton and I both think he can be, and Chris, I think you can too, then it was still the right pick at number three, right?
3: Yeah, um, you know how I felt about Quentin coming out and about that pick. And no matter the situation, no matter how it plays out, you can't be looking at a player after only one year in the league and be even thinking about whether or not he's a disappointment right away. You can maybe you'd expected more out of them in year one, but you, especially a line like inside uh, D-line, these guys don't come in right away and just dominate right off the bat. They, it takes a lot, and Quinton had a bunch of stuff he was dealing with, little injuries, getting nicked up here and there, stopping the progress. Um, we know all about how they used him. We've talked about that. I don't want to go into that anymore. Um, and then you look at... This is this is kind of like uh, when we talk about the Leonard Williams draft pick, because go ahead and look who else were you gonna take now? If last year's draft class had this year's offensive lineman in it, then sure, I'd be more on board with it. But I, I would. Jonah Williams wasn't getting too many people that excited, um, and. It's so that it wasn't just like a you know a luxury pick at, as for will force this pick we don't really need. It was just going after the best player on the board at that point because that's what he was, and the the other players up there weren't going to fill this this huge need. Um, and I, I I perfectly have I have no worries about Quinn and Williams going forward. I understand fans are going to be a little disappointed by how play it played out. But we always talk about you need to give players, uh, you know, just because one guy comes in the league and looks great, you can't expect everybody to do that, um, especially at different positions. So I have no concerns about Quentin Williams going forward. You brought up the, that, you know, Folo and all those guys are more run stoppers. Quentin Williams is going to be a huge impact to help this defense getting after the pass rusher going forward. Fans will see that.
5: That's going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow Clayton at CSMAR's NFL Draft on Twitter and check his work over at Coast to Coast Scouting. If you haven't had an opportunity to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, we'd really appreciate it if you could do that for us. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out, so we'd really appreciate it. And if you haven't subscribed to Badlands yet, go ahead and do that because if you do, you'll get the opportunity to listen to an exclusive interview with New York Jets All-Pro linebacker C.J. Mosley. He talks about what he thinks of Sam Darnold going forward, sharing the lead of the defense with Jamal Adams, some interesting observations there, playing for Greg Williams, and a lot more. Plus, when you sign up, you get access to Connor's seven-round Jets mock draft. The only place you can get either of those two things and much more, including the weekly series that they've been doing and the 10-part docuseries that already exists is to sign up for Badlands. So go subscribe at Podbean, or you can get the links on Joe's Twitter at Joe Caparoso and at Connor's Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, remember to visit the place where you can find all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you What do you do when you win?